This year, we launched a new Goop travel series called The Goop List. I wanted a way to share annually what I found to be the best of the best, from my favorite places to stay in Italy to a truly special spa in Costa Rica. If you are inspired to travel more this year, perhaps because you perused our recommendations on the Goop list, hosting on Airbnb is excellent for people who frequently travel. The beauty of hosting on Airbnb is that while you're away, someone else can get as much joy from your home as you do. Alongside frequent travelers, Airbnb is also great for those who have extra space or an in-law suite that isn't always being used. If you've stayed at an Airbnb before, you know the unique experience it offers. Now you can share that same experience with others while earning some extra income. To learn more about hosting on Airbnb, head to airbnb.com slash host. When you are pioneering anything or introducing new ideas to the culture, you get criticized. You do? Yeah. <laughs> Did you hear about that? <laughs> I didn't find the one. I found someone I respected and we made it the one. In a sort of longing kind of view of love, people understand each other as if by magic. Nothing in itself is addictive on one hand. On the other hand, everything could be addictive if there's an emptiness in that person that needs to be filled. I now know that nobody changes until they change their energy. And when you change your energy, you change your life. I'm Gwyneth Paltrow. This is the Goop Podcast, bringing together thought leaders, culture changers, creatives, founders and CEOs, scientists, doctors, healers and seekers, here to start conversations because simply asking questions and listening has the power to change the way we see the world. Here we go. I am super honored to get to introduce Gabrielle Union. I'm a massive fan of hers. Somebody that I have picked up quotes of hers along the way and been like, wow, she just sounds amazing. And this is the first time that we're getting to spend some time together in front of all of you. Hi there. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm so thrilled to have you. You have such an amazing light and power and strength that radiates off of you to all of us who don't know you that well, but who watched you from afar. And so I'm thrilled that you're here today. I really am. It's nice to talk to someone who's in my age range and <laughs> understands my references and, you know, who's, who's, who's had a big life. So I, I'm excited to talk to you. I'd love to just start off by asking how you guys have gotten through this, this period and what have been kind of the, what's been the trajectory of like the trajectory of how it started for you. You know, if you're the meme of how it started and, and how it's going. <laughs> yeah, I think it started out for us because we didn't know the severity of what COVID would bring. So for us who, you know, we're used to, you know, working on other side, opposite sides of the country to actually just be home and have, I don't want to say an excuse, but a reason to be home with our family it was like, oh my God, I want to get to know you. Oh my God, I'm falling in love with you all over again. Oh my God, I didn't know you were so cool. And then I was like, can you go somewhere? Like, I'm like, neither of us are, have ever been home this long as adults. You know, my husband, you know, was a college athlete and then went right into the NBA. And, you know, I started working at the end of college. So I haven't been in one place. I mean, as an adult, period, neither of us have. And we're both used to being talent. 
for all of what that means. So being home and, and having to be of service to our families all the time was a big challenge for us. And we've We've had, you know, ebbs and flows of goodness and revelation and a little darkness. And then we kind of will come out of it and like, I do like you. And it just kind of starts all over again. But there's that hope of like, it's going to be over soon. And then it's not. And it just keeps going. So we are, uh, as I tell all my girlfriends going through terrible divorces, in the words of Jimmy Valvano, great coach from NC State, honey, it's survive and advance. And that's it. That's as far as I got. That's I survive each day and I advance. That's it. That's very, it's, that's really good wisdom. I mean, what else can you really do at the end of the day, but survive and advance, right? Is the through line really good communication? Like what keeps pulling you guys through into the next advancement? I think the needs of the kids, you know, to be honest, you know, I think as adults who again, like are generally working away from home um, for long stretches of time, it's sort of, it's very easy to compartmentalize other people's needs because you're really only dealing with them in person in bits and, and spurts. So every day when you wake up and your, your kids have needs and, you know, all of our family members that we moved out here in the middle of a pandemic, everyone has needs. And so you just have to suck it up. So whatever it is, suck it up, sister. and figure it out. And it's not going to be easy and pretty and kind or compassionate all the time because, you know, we're all at our wits end. Mm -hmm. And I just try to be as fair and graceful as possible. And on days, I just don't have it. Not, and there's days mom's not going to come out of the bathroom for a long time. Nothing's wrong with me. I just needed to watch a couple episodes of Ted Lasso to reset. But we just have to give each other that grace of we're going to bottom out at some point. And I'm going to need you to be compassionate and extend me the same grace that I extend you when, <laughs> when you're, you know, bottoming out. Inspiring. How many people do you have in there with you? <laughs> I've lost track. Uh, we moved both of our moms here. My mother-in-law from Chicago, my mom from Arizona, and my mom adopted three kids at 60. She's now 73 with a couple teenagers and a preteen. My little sister, our family friend from Alabama. I know I'm missing people, but there's a gang of us. Wow. Every day. So how, are, how do you find any time for yourself? with all that I, like I will drive and sit in my car just you know in an abandoned you know business park parking lot I I really I don't I'm not fancy with it I it's just I physically need to drive away and, and sit somewhere or sometimes I make up gastrointestinal issues and I just stay in my bathroom um and I close the door and I tend like no one ever asks follow-up questions when you're like, I feel a little gastrointestinal and they assume you just have explosive diarrhea and they leave you alone for hours. I have found, they don't know that I'm actually not seeking medical attention for this very sensitive stomach. I seem to have gotten over the pandemic. <laughs> that's a lot of people. That's a lot of needs and a lot of different energies and a lot of different points of view. And I'm sure sometimes it's incredible and warm and, and full of laughter. And then I'm sure other times it's a bit of a strain. Yeah. Not so much. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we always say it's awesome until it's not right <laughs> until it's not, but that's resilience, you know? So do you think you're, how did you come about? To, I mean, how do you have this incredible spirit around that? Like the just 
survive in advance or that kind of resilience? Where does that come from? I think I've had so many different rock bottom moments as an adult, you know, starting with being raped at 19 at gunpoint at my job. Like it just felt like every so many years there was some major you know, catastrophic event that was happening in my life, divorce, you know, career setbacks, you know, relationship issues. It was, there's always something that just lands you on your ass. And you're like, there's no way I can move on from this. There's no way I'm going to recover. I will never be the same. You know, I've said before, I've suffered like many deaths, you know, in my life, which, you know, usually to the interviewer, they're like, um, but it's, you, you kind of have these many they are like little mini deaths that you have to grieve the person you, you were before said terrible thing. And then there's been times I felt like I, I've had to be reborn out of success because that comes with its own challenges. You know what I mean? And you're like, oh, if I just do X, Y, and Z and I get to this level and it's like, oh, Biggie, Biggie never lied, more money, more problems. And this is a whole different kind of death the death of who I, I was at this level and the rebirth of this person who has to deal with all of these challenges <laughs> and expectations that no one is giving you a blueprint for, but I, it, it just keeps happening. And now I welcome it because that's what growth and, and personal evolution is all about is getting uncomfortable. I mean, I would prefer to choose those moments myself, but life has other, you know, has other plans. Life decides when it's time to up level and learn the next lesson and usually involves some degree of suffering has been my experience as well. Yeah. Let's take a quick break to talk about one of our partners. This year, we launched a new Goop travel series called The Goop List. I wanted a way to share annually what I found to be the best of the best from my favorite places to stay in Italy to a truly special spa in Costa Rica. If you are inspired to travel more this year, perhaps because you perused our recommendations on the Goop list, hosting on Airbnb is excellent for people who frequently travel. The beauty of hosting on Airbnb is that while you're away, someone else can get as much joy from your home as you do. Alongside frequent travelers, Airbnb is also great for those who have extra space or an in-law suite that isn't always being used. If you've stayed at an Airbnb before, you know the unique experience it offers. Now you can share that same experience with others while earning some extra income. To learn more about hosting on Airbnb, head to airbnb.com host. Okay, let's get back to the conversation. Can I ask you a little bit about healing from yeah. sexual trauma? Yeah. Because this is something that I've been reading a lot about and I have my own experience and it's sort of incredible to me since, you know, since really the Me Too movement happened since the inception of that, I, I almost don't have one woman friend who hasn't experienced sexual abuse of one kind or another. Never has it been something that's easy to talk about. I mean, obviously it, the level of, of vulnerability and is really difficult for many women. And so it's something that's often sublimated and, you know, personality stuff is built on top of this well of unresolved pain and trauma and grief. 
And so many women to varying degrees have experienced it. How did you begin the process of healing? Like, how do you get it out of your body? Time, you know, I wish there was a, a perfect, you know, equation I could give. If you follow these steps and this, this, this will happen for sure that I would be lying to you. The PTSD I've had since I was 19, it, it hasn't gone anywhere. There's periods where it will be more dormant and there's pyramid, there's periods where it will lead. But the first thing I had to do was physically heal. You know what I mean? You know, for, for a lot of us who, who, who are survivors, it feels very internal, you know, and that is a life, a lifetime of work that goes into it. But my first thing was I looked like Quasimodo. I was beaten. There was a gun battle. And so I, I, you know, later years, I learned that I can, I can masquerade as someone who hasn't been sexually assaulted because, you know, unless you ask or, you know, I don't have to tell you, it's something I can hide. But for me at 19, someone who had fully embraced assimilation, if you just if you're just a good student, if you're just a star athlete, if you if you're just you know a perfect daughter, if you're just a perfect girlfriend, nothing bad will ever happen to you. If you live in this neighborhood, I did all of those things and I was still raped. And having the physical scars and and the you know the the double black eyes and the busted mouth and you know walking into the police station, I, I had prided myself on being basically the anti-victim. And here I was looking like you know a victim in my mind. And that was one of the hardest things to heal from, not being able to have the luxury of telling someone that my face told a, a story that I didn't want to be known. And then one of my previous best girlfriends that I'd grown up with went to a party and shared my trauma with the party as like a conversation starter, if you will. And so just feeling betrayal on top of trauma on top of this physical assault, it just compounded everything. And I went into basically like hiding in my house. The healing started with immediately following the police arriving and going to the hospital. I happened to be fortunate enough to be raped in a, in a, you know, in a, in a higher socioeconomic community with a well-trained police force that had gone through sensitivity training, an underworked police force, uh, a rape crisis, you know, unit at uh, my local hospital was well-staffed and super caring. Everything, you know, the way the system's supposed to work for, for people who find themselves, been finding themselves have, have been, who have been victimized. It worked out exactly the way it was supposed to work, which is rare. So that from that moment on, they contacted Workman's Comp and within a few days, I, you know, I was going to therapy. The only time I would leave my house would be to go to therapy. And over the years, I went to every kind of therapist you can imagine. You know, I like to say ther therapy is like, you know, dating. You, sometimes you got to date around to find that right fit. I've done everything from hypnotherapy to shamans, in, you know, in South America. You're very, <laughs> you're very goopy. This is very, I'm, I'm very open, you know, whatever leads to healing and some relief. You know what I mean? When you just want it to leave your body and it's not, but therapy has been a mainstay of my life from a few days. And when the physical scars start to heal, even though I have this one that only seems to like, I can see it's like a permanent, permanent scar tissue. It just feels like this constant reminder on days when I'm like, Oh, I feel 
okay, I don't feel like my, my whole body is just teeming with terror. I'm like, mm-hmm. damn, I can, I can still see that. And there's not a concealer in the world that I have found because I've, I've looked to, 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 not, to not be able to see that. People just want to know that they're not alone. And creating community, while it can be triggering for sure, hearing all of the trauma and atrocities that have happened to to different folks, it lets you know that you are not unique in that way. And there's nothing that you have personally done that that invited this in and, and that there is light and that there are ways of healing. It doesn't, you don't really get to that until people talk about it. So that's what I've been trying to do since then it always makes me a little nauseous but it's also like i'm talking about somebody else because that person is dead so it's always it's a, a completely disassociate me today from me then man your your courage is incredible it's amazing these things that happen that break us and then become like the glue for the next incarnation of of who we're going to be and like how you know like the that Japanese art of putting back together pottery with, with gold, with liquid gold that, you know, you make the, it becomes more valuable because of the damage. And you're such an amazing example of that. I mean, to constantly move forward, you have to sort of realize, and you said it so beautifully when you said that that last incarnation of you is dead and the grief and letting go of that and kind of those ideals, like you were speaking of, you know, you had this incredibly rosy vision of who you were and, and your future. And then to have to reckon with a different idea that the universe has, has given you and, and to be able to move forward from that. I mean, when you think about putting it, putting things in perspective, any, anything that's difficult in life, like how do you grieve that last version of you? How do you give yourself permission to do that? Because I think the last incarnation of you always feels like the best one (laughs) and you don't want to let it go. You know, you know what it took to get you there. You romanticize your past self, if you will. And if you don't do an excavation of how you got to this place, you will continue to live in the romanticized version of who you were and you won't want to let go because you will feel righteous and you know like forever i am right i was uh, i was at my most beautiful i was at my most intelligent i was at my most um successful i couldn't put, there couldn't possibly be a different or better or more dynamic version of anyone because you broke the mold on the last one um, <laughs> but when i but when i do a deeper dive into how did i get here and i I really lean into accountability and, you know, exploring some of the the less positive attributes that that also might have blossomed along with, you know, some of the other success. And I'm like, you know what, I, I actually, I don't like that part of me. I don't, I don't like the woman that I was becoming, or I don't like the, 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 the mother I, I was becoming. And it is worth it to me to, to, to look a little deeper into that. And it's, that is the hard part. And that is the sucky part. I'm never going to, you know, front and be like, no, oh, it's super easy. It's not really looking at yourself and being like, oh, I'm the common denominator. I'm the problem. Oh shit. I hate when that happens. I hate it. It's a lot easier to be like, no, it was you. And you did this to me and I'm just reacting to you. And it was really like, no, I, there was a, a string of things that got put in motion that came from, you know, this place. 
throughout the pandemic and with the racial reconciliation that we've we've seen, the, the racial, I don't think we've gotten to a reconciliation, a racial reckoning that we've seen, the pandemic, all sorts of systemic ills that, that we're exploring deeper. I think a lot of us are in this place of like, ooh, I actually was a part of the problem. I don't want to be. And I don't want to just push it away because it, those are the ugly parts of, of life or society or, or me. But in order to get to the other side, to, to be a, a better ally, to be a better global citizen, to be um, my most authentic self, something has to give. And it starts with me. Mm. And that sucks. But that's what it, I mean, that's what it takes. I, I recommend doing, doing it along with a therapist yeah. um, or, or someone that doesn't necessarily know you who can be impartial. It's hard. I think culturally we don't have paradigms in our culture for the fact that we are all good and evil and we have light and dark and we get so binary. And I think that's where the judgment comes from. Like, I'm not like that. I would never do that. And then it turns out, yeah, you would, or shit, I did. And then because we have no space and cushion to allow that and process it, then, you know, we act out or, you know, we become, I, I always think of it as like, you're out of integrity. If you can't recognize the darkness that you have, and that we hold ourselves to this, this standard and we think everybody else is, you know, perfect and, and we're not, and we have all this darkness that we can't reconcile, but that's just human nature. And it, and it's human nature isn't always pretty or kind. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's doing a much deeper, honest dive into your own, <laughs> into your own mess. And that's, you, that's where you find your salvation. It's true. And I think it's so painful because nobody has said, Hey, it is okay to feel grief and anger and sadness and disgust. And like, we think if we're not happy and everything's fine, that we're somehow betraying, especially women. I think we feel like we're, you know, betraying our archetype in some way. And so therefore to be what you're talking about, to truly be accountable means sitting with all of these horribly uncomfortable feelings. And I don't think we're given the resources to understand how to do that. No, <laughs> no. And we don't talk about it because we, we feel like it makes us look bad. Mm -hmm. And I, even though you, you might hear someone else talk about it, you might read an article, you're like, oh my God, I can relate. It's hard to articulate that without feeling like you're opening the door to for abuse or for prying eyes, you know, behind the curtain of your life. But that really being transparent and being like, look, I screwed the pooch on this one and I don't want to continue doing it. Yeah. I don't want to be this way. I don't want to, you know, when I see X picture, I don't want to think why I, I have to go, I have to do a, a deeper excavation of how I got to have these feelings. I, you, you said something once and you just reminded me of it when you were talking about growth and I don't know, you were young and you were a friend of yours said that you're a mean person or something like that. Do you, do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, the mean girl, the mean girl. Mean girl. You said, I'm a mean, I'm a mean girl. Or they said, no, I said that about myself <laughs> or, you, I, or somebody, but somebody helped you see that. Right. Yes. Yeah. My, my old life coach around the time I got a divorce, my show had got canceled. I was getting a divorce. I had this weird racist thing happen. That turned out like it was very public. I just had literally hit rock bottom. I was 
under the bed with my animal. I don't, I, in, in life, I don't think I've gotten much lower than that, where my dog was like, bitch, what the fuck? Um, and literally like <laughs> commando crawled under there. I was like, well, I guess we'll be here together. And I was like, okay, I think this, this is rock bottom. This is what they talk about. <laughs> and I called, I called this woman who had been like, you know, she'd see me on a red carpet. She's like, tell me when you're ready. You know, I know you need me. And I'm like, mm, okay. And that moment <laughs> under the, under the bed with my dog, I was like, maybe I do need her. And in our first, our first session, she said, name five things that make you happy. And I was like, she said, well, shit, the, 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 the exercise is actually named 10 things, but I thought I was, you know, helping you out by saying five, but you don't, you don't have nothing. And I was like, ah, ah. And she was doing, she's asking me this as we're, you know, I'm, I'm hitting the heavy bag. So I'm like real butter imitation crab. And she's like, oh my God, I'm going to stop you right there. Did you say imitation crab? Like you don't even like the real fucking thing. Like what the, she's like, of course your marriage failed. You don't even know what makes you happy. How can you expect someone else to make you happy? You don't know what makes you happy. You don't know what makes you happy. And then, you know, the second session, you know, we're just, you know, we're, we're working, we're, you know, we're, we're, we're peeling the, 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 the layers and we're going back. And then, and I, you know, so we, we go to this, this event, this party and, you know, I'm feeling good about myself. I'm like four sessions into like a life coaching situation and I'm holding court, right? I, I tell a good story and I also used to talk a lot of cash shit. So I'm, I'm holding court at this party and this girl walks in, a fellow actress, uh, entertainer. And she, she's one of those women that just, she walks in and it feels like all the air got sucked out and all eyes are on her and justifiably so. She's stunning. She's interesting, super smart, super successful, but it just made me feel small. And in that moment, instead of just being like, wow, is she hot and amazing and ugh, I'm so jealous. I start trying to rip her to shreds and everyone was kikiing. And, you know, at the end of the night, she said, I saw what you, what you said about, you know, a girl. I was like, yeah. And she was like, did you get the guy? Did your skin clear up? Did you lose weight? Did you, is your house paid for? Did you get the job? And I was like, what? And she said, nothing about your life changed, except you just exposed yourself as a hater. And that someone else's greatness or beauty or excellence makes you shrink. It's like, oh. right. <laughs> and it was really like those lessons that you're supposed to learn in junior high when you gang up on someone and you and your friends are like, you know, whatever, you're little mean girls. And I use that phrase in this speech that I gave shortly thereafter at the Essence Women, Women Luncheon. And I was receiving this award called the Fierce and Fearless Award. And in that speech, I just laid it all bare, you know, that I haven't always been the woman that you see before you. I have been a hater. I have been someone that reveled in other people's pain. And because it somehow felt like I was being, you know, lifted up as someone else was coming down. And I hated that. You know, I hated that. Once it was pointed out, I felt stupid and small and extremely vulnerable. And in that vulnerability is when I found salvation. I, well, she started stripping me there. And then I participated in that right. stripping away and getting to let's get down to the get down is what we actually said. Let's get down to the get down. And what is it really? I was like, Oh, daddy issues, mommy issues, <laughs> issues that come from all sorts of things. And it's like, how about we address that? So you don't attack anyone else. 
Right. You know, as you're finding your peace, let's not disrupt anyone else's. Um, and did it and then, work? You know, like, like, did you doing that work take away the impetus to want to tear someone down or have that jealous reaction? I think it took a while for the desire, that knee jerk desire to, to, to wane a bit, but over time, it's just like, I, I am, I'm a part of the praise, you know, the praise team. And it's all, I become people's cheerleaders. If, if you catch my eye or, or you, you write something or, or you create a piece of art that I'm just, I'm like, I'm going to tell the world about how great I think you are or how beautiful I think you are or whatever. And that feels more freeing than sitting up with other vulnerable people who are hurt, who have some other trauma that they have not, you know, worked through, kikiing about somebody and none of it is going to change our lives, except you're going to change your karma and it's going to come back fast. Ooh, when you least expect it, you're like, Ooh, I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> uh, insecure girls become, can become insecure women, can become insecure grandmas if you don't stop the crap in its tracks and address it. The wait is over. That's right. Season five of The Kardashians is here. Just when you thought life couldn't get any faster, they're punching it into overdrive. Chris, Courtney, Kim, Chloe, Kendall, and Kylie are back and continue to defy expectations in all their endeavors. So get ready to go behind the glitz and glamour of the most iconic family on television. The all new season of The Kardashians premieres May 23rd, streaming on Hulu. So many people go through life without being struck by the thunderbolt of accountability, right? It's like, it is, and it is such a detriment. Like you, I feel so bad for people who are going through life like that, you know, who are just powering through and getting more and more bitter as they go. And I always think like, how did I get so blessed with this thing that feels so painful, but is the desire to always try to orient around how can I be better? How can I be kinder? How can I be whatever it is, you know, and, and acknowledge that I might've done something that I'm not proud of or, or whatever. But I, 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 I feel like it's almost like two, two different species of people, you know, people who refuse to accept that accountability. I think it shrinks your life. Yes, for sure. Even when on paper, your life might look huge. It might look massive and, and living it up, but you're dying inside and yeah. it shrinks everything. Your relationships aren't as deep. Everything feels very superficial. It just feels small and insignificant. Even when, when you're supposed to be just enjoying the fruits of your labor, it just feels small and insignificant because you don't feel good about yourself. Yeah. I, I think that's a really amazing way to articulate it, that it shrinks your life because I think the only thing that can expand your life is when you allow yourself to be broken open. Right. Yeah. And, and it's not just, Oh, you know, I had this, you know, daddy issue or a mama issue or, you know, this thing happened. And, and now for the rest of my life, I'm this, it's the constant excavation Yes. You know, even when things are great, when they say you should go see a marriage counselor when you're, your things are amazing. Yeah. You know, don't wait until, you know, you're ready to stop someone. It's the same with doing, you know, during the work, which sounds super cliche and very hippie ish, but like, it's, it's just the truth. The, the work that work on yourself, it has to be ongoing yeah. and recognizing, you know, my husband said the other day, cause 
you know, perhaps I like to make jokes of my ex-husband and my, 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 my husband was like, you're getting a lot of jokes off at, at, at old boy. He calls him old boy at old boy's expense. But if you've, if you've been healed and you've moved on and you have an amazing husband, where are these jokes coming from? And I was like, I don't like it when he's right. I like to have the moral high ground in our, in our household, but it made me, it stopped me in my tracks. And I was like, damn it. There are some things that I am not healed from. If, if I got to keep making these jokes, we got divorced in shit. Oh, five. It's 2021, ma'am. Like, let it go. If you're really over it, it's a lot of jokes for somebody you're truly (laughs) over with. You know what I mean? And let's get into what that is. You but know? it might be that you're you're over him, but you're not over those dynamics that you were attracted to in the first place because of other older stuff. Yes, that had not been addressed. So right. no we, time like the present right. to have a double session with your therapist. <laughs> oh, one thing that I wait. Well, let, let me ask you this. So, how long have you and Dwayne been married now? It'll be seven years uh, this August. Seven years. It went fast. Yeah faster than I could imagine. Yeah, I know. Because my first marriage felt like dog years. Every month felt like dog <laughs> years. I'm like, oh my God, how long has it been? They're like two weeks, ma'am. Like, I was like, this is probably not a good sign. <laughs> this is not a good sign. So I wanted to ask you about being a step parent because I'm married now for the second time. And I have two beautiful stepchildren who are the same age as mine. Oh, okay. That, yeah. that's, that's a whole, that's a different dynamic. I don't, I don't have personal experience with that one. Right. So you have like, like something, a different one. Yes. Cause you have big yeah. ones and then a baby, right? You have like yeah. teenagers. And it's funny because when I became a stepmother and when I knew I was going to become a stepmother, I was like, shit, I have no idea how to do this. There's, there's nothing to read. Like, what do I do? Where, where do I step in? Where do I not? Like, how, how do I do this? And it's been a really interesting challenge for me. And I've, I love them and I've learned so much about myself through the process, but I was wondering how did you become a stepmother as opposed to being married to the father of some kids? You know, it started when my husband was, went for full custody, which the world was like, Oh, well, good for you. It's not going to happen. And then it happened. And judge ruled, let's say the judge ruled at 1 p.m. They were on a plane like a few hours later. Like it was that fast and everything changed. We were just dating, but I was going to be the consistent woman, you know, in their life. So it went from, okay, I just have to be consistent. I have a stepmother that I got later in life. You know, my parents got divorced after 25 years. My dad married my stepmother, I think like nine days after their divorce was final. Wow. I've got some unresolved issues there, but you know, so I, I just tried to do the opposite of what I thought my stepmother did wrong, you know, or could have done better. So I tried to stay in my lane and just be consistent. So as I tell other women, you know, and and, and men in this position, whoever you are, if you're a curmudgeon, just be a curmudgeon. And then they get used to that. If you're a pushover, just stay the pushover. Don't try to put on personalities around them. Whatever it is, whoever you are, just be consistent. So everyone can get used to who the hell you are really. And you're not putting on a, like a, an act. And then, you know, the mask falls off and they're like, Whoa, like now you're the psycho stepmom or the, you know, the mean, you know, the irrationally mean stepdad. 
be consistent, whatever that is. Be the consistent adult that is above the fray. You say nothing negative about their their real you know parents. Always praise, no matter how bad it may seem. Always praise. If they say something bad, you shift you know, back to praise and, and understanding, well, maybe this is what is happening. And and perhaps we, you know, we give people some grace and some compassion and, and, you know, whatever, but never do you participate in the kiki surrounding, you know, negativity of the other parent being that person as the girlfriend, by the time they, and my husband and the kids proposed to me, I was like, they had gotten into this stage as, as preteens where they just wanted us to be like other families. Mm. And they had looked up how much their dad made. And they thought that I should not work. I should just be at home like the other moms (laughs) of their friends. And because dad is rich and you should just stay home and we should be a normal family like everyone else. And so when I saw them all holding the signs and they surprised me, I thought that it was something they did. And they were like, and Dee wasn't aware of it. I'm like, oh God, they just went for it. They, they really want to be a normal family. But uh, <laughs> so, so by that point, they were so, they just wanted to be normal. If you, you know, whatever that is. So what? By the time we got married, it was just, I think, relief for them, mm-hmm. which isn't always an emotion that you associate with kids in this situation. And they were like, ah, we're a normal family wait, you're still leaving and dad's still rich. So what's happening here? I'm like, oh yeah. Some, sometimes women want to, to work and, and have a career and to do other things. And, and, you know, this is, this is what makes me who I am. And, and it doesn't mean I I love you any less, or I don't want the job or, or I don't love being your stepmother. I will do my best to be here for, you know, all the things that you want me to be here while at the same time, making sure that space for mom or, or dad is, is there. And it is, it is the golden seat of honor always. And we just move that way. But, you know, when things have come up where I was like, am I supposed to go up to the school? I'm the available one. And you're waiting and you're like, you know what, at the end of the day, I am the responsible adult and you do what responsible adults do. And if that means go up to the school and and let somebody have it, which I've done often, that is, that is what I do. If it's, you know, arranging playdates or doctor visits or emergencies or broken hearts, which is like things that you're like, I don't think this is my job, but it is because I'm the adult. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just be the hard the adult. thing, you know, so you don't quite know sometimes when to step in. And I'll, as long as you know that stepmothers need to get the same publicist as like kale because we have history has not done us kind the media has not done us kind we need a new publicist as a collective we need a Um, rebranding yes there are so many women because i get asked this question a lot in different panels and q a's and stuff there's so many women that that will be so helpful for thank you speaking of something that i also think needs rebranding which we touched on is this sort of post mid forties phase in a woman's life. You know, I've been very vocal about perimenopause and how I think menopause in general needs a rebranding because I think there's an amazing vibrancy and closeness to oneself as you start to get into that phase of life. I I just was telling the editors, the health editors at Goop the other day, like I wanna do a deep dive into, because I can't find good information on 
you know, why am I sweating through my sheets? Like, why am I eating these weird things? Like what is happening to me and what to expect from it all? And I know that you're maybe tiptoeing into this perimenopausal. (laughs) Oh, I cannonballed in years ago, but it's the symptoms reached a fever pitch in September. And I, I thought I was losing my mind. I thought I had early onset dementia, Alzheimer's. I, 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 I gained 20 pounds overnight of, of, you know, water retention, inflammation, like bizarre. I couldn't think, which is like, you know, now when I have to public speak in the last you know few months, I'm so anxious because I'm like, am I going to remember words? Like, it's like my words evaporate. Same. You know, but yeah, like the the, the nice. Oh, the, 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 the lack of the words is really terrifying that, that I really like, sometimes my heart drops and I'll be trying to think of the word like orange or, you know, and I'm like, ah, this is, yeah. So that's, yeah. I think we definitely need again, like a rebranding there, some kind of some more content around how did you, how did you get through that? Are you, do you feel better now? Are you, you're on? It's a, it's a work in progress. Yeah. And, I, and I was, I was diagnosed as perimenopausal in my late thirties, which That's I normal. didn't think was a thing. And they said it can last, you know, a 10 plus years, you know, for some people. And that's been me, which is fun. So when I, in my, in my thirties, I was, it first came up with my, you know, you do a hormonal panel or like when you get your blood work at the OB or whatever. And she was like, Ooh, these numbers suggest, mm. you know, perimenopause. And I was like, that's like my mother and my aunts. Like that feels like an old lady thing. She's like, well, for some ladies, it's a younger lady thing. And I'm like, shit. Okay. One more thing. And throughout my fertility journey, you know, the impact on ovarian reserve and, and, and my uterine, my uterine lining and my adenomyosis turns out all of those things. So if you have endometriosis, adenomyosis, PCOS, cysts, it just exacerbates all of those things, which is fun. And so over time, hair loss, that's been fun. Over time, over these, you know, almost 10 years, it would be like different things, you know, it, but it was never everything at once. Yeah. And in September, it was everything at once on top of this depression. Mm. Like, you know, I've had PTSD, you know, since I was 19, but never, I've had more depressive episodes, like, never for long periods of time, maybe a couple weeks. I fell into something so dark in uh, like December that it scared me Mm. and had a, like a stupid argument with D and instead of, you know, my usual problem solving, you know, the way my brain works, like, how do we, how do we work through this? What are the, you know, how are we going to communicate our way through this? What are we going to do? Blah, blah, blah immediately my brain, that little inner voice was like, he's never going to get it unless you're dead. Only because I had been in therapy for, you know, half my life. Did I recognize that? Wait, hold on. Nope. No, I don't know who's talking now. That's not the, it's not my intuition. Like what the death, like, and it was, it was, it was deep. And it turns out it was suicidal ideation, but it's, it's basically like fleeting, but I was able to get through it with talk therapy and diving into how can I regulate my hormones? And luckily I'm, I'm at home surrounded by people. So, and I alerted everyone 
something is happening that I cannot control. I, I don't want to die, but something is obviously happening if this is where it always comes back to. The, the solution to these problems were, was my death, doing a lot of talk therapy. And, you know, as you're, as you're trying different supplements and medications to try to regulate your hormones, it takes time, you know, and it was that time that was filling me with anxiety. Like, what if I don't get well in enough time to save me from myself, which sounds mm. bizarre, but, you know, and then I started doing research about who are the, who are the people most likely to commit suicide? And it was women between 45 and 54. And then I started looking at perimenopause, menopause, and suicide. And more famous women who we have lost relatively recently and their ages and some of those symptoms and, and then some of the commentary around that. This idea that as when we hit women hit a certain age, they become less desirable, they're, they can no longer reproduce, they kind of get put out to pasture, if you will, they're not viable to men, they get bitter, a lot of divorces happen at this time, kids are leaving the nest, and women don't know what to do with themselves. And they offer all of these solutions that make you more palatable to men. So they, they tend to focus on the perimenopausal and the menopausal symptoms that affect men. If you're sleeping next to somebody with night sweats, they're like, we got to get that. We got to find a fix. We, you know, I don't want to be sweating with you. You know, um, your vagina is dry as the Sahara. Like you don't ever want to have sex with your husband. We got to work on that. We got to come up with something quick, quick, quick. All of these things are to make it better for a man, not to make you better for you. And we explain away all of these other things that just so happen to happen around, happen around this age without perhaps drawing some connections to perhaps there is something happening hormonally, internally, that is affecting depression, that is affecting anxiety, that is affecting um, our bodies and our sexuality. And, and it can jolt you to your core and make you question everything, but it's not that authentic you that we you know, talked about at the beginning, separating the symptoms and who you really are has been, a, to say it's a challenge, I don't, I don't think I have the right words or I lost them to describe <laughs> what these last few months have been. As you try to do that inner work, but also feeling like it's all for naught because I've lost myself. Well, it's really clear to me that you're, you know, one of these thought leaders and trailblazers that was brought to this earth to help heal other people and to shine light. You know, your bravery and talking about things, your vulnerability, that's how people heal. That's how people find community. And, you know, to hear you be this kind of amazing warrior through all of this and, you know, all of these amazing ups and downs and all of your successes and your businesses and books. And it's an amazing amalgamation of everything a woman should be, you know, you, you really are. So I just, I feel very honored that I got to spend an hour with you. No, it's been my pleasure, my pleasure. And I definitely want to pick your brain after this, you oh, know, so sure. if you have information or resources, please share them with all of us. I will. Um, well, and I, you know, I will, we're all, we're all in, we're in this together, you know, like it's, it's, we're living as women through very interesting 
times and there are a lot of doors opening, but there's a lot of tumult underneath and a lot of, a lot of paradigms still left to break and old models. And so we have to, we have to do it together, you know? Well, I would love to be a soldier in your army. So whenever <laughs> you need me, I am of service. Thanks for tuning in to my chat with Gabrielle Union. For more from Gabby, you can find her on Instagram at Gab Union. That's a wrap on today's episode. If you have a second, please rate, review, and hit subscribe if you haven't already. Don't forget to share the Goop podcast with a friend. And in the meantime, for more, you can check out goop.com slash the podcast.